It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. So we're just going to talk a little bit this morning. Is that okay? Can we just have to just be friends? Can I say some things that I'm, I'm going through and talking about? So I want to talk about anybody else going through hell right now, or is it just me? Is anybody else getting diagnosis from, on things in your family and your loved ones that is just destroying your life, destroying your mind, destroying your walk? Anybody else? I see a lot of hands. So that makes me believe that what the Lord is telling me is, is accurate. And I love the songs. I love the songs about the walls falling, the chains breaking. Yeah. We all need that. Yeah. We all need that. Yeah. And the Lord took me back to a place this morning that reminded me of what we are and who he is for us. And so this morning I'm going to talk about Psalms 23. And we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to go line by line, precept by precept. It may last three minutes. It may last 20. But whatever it is, it's going to be of the Lord. Can we do that this morning? So turn in your Bibles to Psalms 23. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms 23. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, everybody needs a friend named Shirley, don't we? Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's talk about the Lord. Who is the Lord? The Lord, he, is the, he was there from the beginning. He is there in the end. He is there in the middle. He is the Lord. He's not a Lord. There's many a Lords that we serve in our life. Some of us have a Lord called cell phones. Some of us have a Lord called YouTube. Instagram, Facebook, there's many gods that we serve, but this is not the God that Psalms 23 is talking about. Psalms 23 is talking about the Alpha and the Omega, the God that was there from the beginning, the God that is going to be there in the end, that no matter what I'm going through, he is the God that I call to. When I'm weak, when I'm hurt, when I'm broken, when my heart has failed me, when diagnosis comes that you only have two years to live, who do I run to? The Lord in Psalms 23. The only Lord. The Lord that said, I love you. The Lord that said, I'll be with you in the dark places when the light's turned on. He's the Lord that is the light. In John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And skip on down to verse 14, and it says, and the Word became flesh. So the same God that created the earth is the same God that became the flesh that died on the cross for our sins that we can run to is the same God that said, by your stripes you are healed. That's the Lord. Psalms 23 is talking about. He's the one that told the seas where to stop. He's the one that told the mountains you can only go so high. He's the one that told the valleys you can only be so deep. Amen. He's the one that says, I will be with you always. 
the Lord is my shepherd. And I was asking the Lord, what is a shepherd? A shepherd is something that is above everybody. A shepherd is somebody that we can see in the low places. See, the sheep are low, the shepherd is high. All I have to do is look up to my eyes and put my eyes on the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. A shepherd is somebody that comforts. A shepherd is somebody that loves. A shepherd is somebody that will lead you and guide you. And when I've lost my way, I need to find a shepherd. And I can't turn to any shepherd. I have to find the shepherd, the only shepherd. And so I run to Jesus. And I realize that when I'm running to Jesus, there's some things I have to shake off. Some things I have to let go because I can't run to Jesus as where he wants me to run if I'm loaded down, if I got all this baggage on me, all this hurt, all this bitterness, all this, these diagnoses that just wreaks habit on your mind. And sometimes your mind just plays all these tricks. Well, okay, well, let's start planning life after this. Let's start planning life for what's going to happen. Let's start carving out the tombstone. That, no. No. We got to run towards Jesus and we got to cast this baggage off. Sometimes this baggage that we carry when we're trying to hit this target, when we're trying to run to Christ, maybe it's unbelief. Maybe it is unbelief. Maybe you're sitting here saying, okay, God, your word says by your stripes you are healed. Maybe you, and your word says, make your petition known to men. Your word says, call unto me, all you who are weak and weary, and I will give you rest. But you know what? They're still sick, they're still dying. What do you do? You keep running. You keep running to the shepherd. You keep running to the one that is standing there saying, I have never moved. I cannot be shaken. I will not be broken. I will not be bent or bowed down. You run to the shepherd of Jesus Christ. And I'm learning a new revelation of what the shepherd is to me. Because each level you get on in your life, you, when you level up, you get new levels, you get new devils. So now what I'm learning right now is that as I'm leveling up in my spiritual walk, what pastor told me is now the word becomes real. We're not, it's, it's, it's not only do we just talk about it, now we have to be about it. Now we have to claim these things. Now we have to put into practice the things that we've preached every single day. And so when I say, Lord, by your stripes she is healed... My mouth is confessing it, but my mind ain't believing it. Now I got to put action behind that. Saying, Lord, by your stripes, my wife is healed. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care if they gave her two years. I'm not looking at that. We're not claiming that. And if they only given her two years, Lord, I'm praying you come back before then. And take us on out of here with the rapture. The shepherd. Who was the shepherd in your life? Who is the shepherd in your life? Who do you pay homage to? Who do you pay praise to when you wake up in the morning? What's the first thing you do? What's the first thing you should do? I know it's not to get on and see who liked all your statuses. I know it's unbelievable that that's so prevalent in our lives. That that has become such an addiction. That that has become the, the person, the thing that we run to. And it breaks my heart that we give everything 
our first fruits in the morning, but the one who died for us. And it breaks my heart that we only run to the shepherd when we're in need in the bad times, but we don't stand up and give, run to the shepherd when we want to praise him for his provision. The Lord, the God, the only God is my shepherd. No offense, he ain't your shepherd. He's my shepherd. I make that personal. He's my God. He's my savior. He's my redeemer. He's my beginning. He's my ending. He's the name above all names. He's the one that I cry to every single night. Lord, you are him. You are thee. You are the great I am. That's who you are. The shepherd. And right now we have a shepherd in our church who's battling some things that we need to help. And he needs us to pray with him. He needs us to come beside him. And I want to encourage you to keep sending the messages. Keep sending the text messages, the phone calls. He, he enjoys that. It really gives them hope. It really gives them peace. So when you're going through hell, what do you do? You don't stop. You just don't stop. Because what happens when you stop? You get burned. Anybody else tired of getting burned? I was reminded about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they went into the fiery furnace. When they came out, the only thing that was burned on them was the things that had them bound. And so when I call on my shepherd... God, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, I say, Lord, I need you to burn this bondage, these shackles off of me that have me bound. Burn these ropes that have my mind tied up. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of these vain imaginations. I'm sick of planning things that ain't ready to happen yet. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... I struggle with that. I shall not want. Because right now, you know, I want a healing on my bride. You know, when I met my wife, I saw her from a distance. And I'm telling you, as sure as God is real, when I saw her, before I even spoke to her, I knew she'd be my wife. I knew it. And I'm not ready to stop this fight. Are y'all ready to quit? I'm not ready to quit. But I want a healing. I want healing on my wife, but it hasn't come yet. So what do we do? What do you do? What does Ephesians 6 say? When you've done all you could do, you stand. Stand and do what? Do you stand and cry? Do you stand and mope? Do you stand and complain? Or do you stand and what? With your hands lifted high, you stand and praise Jesus. That your ways are above my ways. Your thoughts are above my thoughts. I don't know what's around the corner, Father. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I know who holds tomorrow. Amen? And that's Jesus. He's my want. He gives you the desires of your heart. And I say, Lord, my desire is for my wife to be restored. 100. Not 20. It's not good enough. Not 50%. Lord, I need 100. I need 100. Because you're going to get the glory from this. You're going to get the, the glory from this. People are going to look at my wife and they're going to praise God for the miracle that you've done because it's been written on paper that it can't be, but you said I am above that and I'm going to make it happen. That is my want, Lord. My want is for you. My want is to, for you to heal my bride, to heal my mind. My mind is in such turmoil right now because of what God is telling me versus what the devil's telling me. 
It's affecting my dreams. It's affecting my attitude. It's affecting my Christian walk. It's affecting my study time. And anybody else is done? I'm done. We'll take another minute of this, Satan. uh, We're serving you notice. Just shout out right now. Get out, Satan. Get out of my mind. Get out of my marriage. Get out of my finances. Get out of my thoughts. Get out of my attitude. I'm done. Not just done, but done, done. No longer going to walk defeated. I'm going to walk in the victory that the God, the King, the Lord of Lords, who said he is the great I am. That's who I'm walking in. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And I, under, I, I never understood what a green pasture was until you realize that a green pasture is provision. Because you could lay down in barren pastures. How many of us have been laying down in pastures where there's no fruit, where there's no grass, where there's no word, where there's no hope? There's nothing but drought. Maybe we're in a drought in our, in our walk with God. He makes you to lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say he lets you, he makes you. You can't help but be blessed when you're serving God. You can't help but to be fruitful when you're serving God. And when you're running to Jesus, he puts you in these green pastures of provision. There's things in the greenness of this pasture. There's food for the sheep to eat. There's shelter from the storms. There's water to drink. My God, my Lord, my Savior, he puts me in these green pastures. And what he's saying is, I got you. Rest, my son. Rest. Let me fight your battles. Let me be the one that you're calling on. Trust in me. Trust in what you know. Trust in the word. You put the word in you every single day, even when you don't need it. So when you do need it, it's there. All you got to do is dig in and grab it. He leads me beside still waters. But sometimes we feel like we're in the raging flood, don't we? That everything that can come against you is coming against you. Every diagnosis the doctors can give, they've already given. Everything in your house is breaking. The refrigerator, the washer and the dryer. Your marriage is struggling for no other reason than, than just it's just struggling. Because you're busy, you're busy, you're busy, and the things happen, and this flood just comes through and just wipes everything out. But what does the, the Bible say about the flood? What is the parable about the flood? Who, what is your house built upon? The foundation. If you're built on the foundation, it doesn't matter what comes against you. It may hurt, it may burn, and you may get stuck a time or two, but you're not going to go away. Because you're built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of these floodwaters pounding against my foundation. And I'm just crying out to my God, my Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ, my shepherd. And to be quite honest, I feel like I'm on the battlefield, on the ground, licking my wounds. The sword is stuck to my hand like Eleazar's sword was stuck to the sword when him and David were back to back in the bean field. And I just can't even swing anymore. What do you do when the floodwaters beating so hard against your house, your foundation, when you're lost, when you're disturbed, when you're always anxious, when you don't know what's going to happen, when you got no peace? You call your brothers. 
You call your family. You call the people that you know are strong. You know, you call the people that you know ain't in the flood waters. You call the people that are beside the quiet waters that can help you when you're in the flood waters because they know some things. That's why it was never meant for us to walk alone in this Christian walk because we have to have somebody for accountability. We have to have somebody that says, it's okay, Jeff. It's okay. I know what you're going through. My life is good right now. Let me help you. Do we do we do that enough? The still waters, it always reminds me of that still small voice. I've been on the deer lease before and been in the creeks and just, just sat there and just watch the water just trickle, hear the birds chirping, see the grasshoppers hopping, the frogs croaking, mosquitoes biting. <laughs> you know, the still waters, and it brought me peace. And when I think about Jesus and the still water, I always go back to, to John chapter 4, where he offered the woman at the well the living water. And when I think about the peaceful waters, I think about the living water. And I can't help but think about Jesus Christ when I'm by this, this stream. And that peace. We See, we have to have that peace. And sometimes we don't have that peace. We need that peace that surpasses all understanding. Because we don't understand what God has. We don't understand his will. And you pray and you pray and you pray and you don't get what you're asking for. And finally, you just got to throw your hands up and say, okay, God, thine will be done. Not mine. Thy will be done. And so that's what I'm praying. I'm beside the still waters. Your will be done, Lord, not mine. He leads me in the paths. He restores my soul. Don't we need that right now? Can't we all use that right now? A little restoration in our soul. You know what I'm saying? And I always think about, when I think about restoring my soul, I think about the armor of God. I had a conversation with Brother John, and he said many times as Christians, we get saved and we stop. We put on the helmet of salvation, and then we run out in full charge, ready to attack the enemy. But the problem is we haven't girded ourselves with the rest of the armor. We're not ready for these types of battles. But it's when you put the helmet of salvation on, when the attacks come the hardest. Because when you're going from darkness to light, there's a transition. And in that transition, every demon in hell comes to stop you. Because if you can become an effective Christian, they've lost. And God doesn't want us to lose. Satan doesn't want us to lose. God wants us to win. And, we, and the only way we win is we, we put on the entire armor of God's armor. Not ours. My armor is weak. David tried to, when he went to, to out to bring cheese and bread... They tried to put Saul's armor on David. David couldn't fight in Saul's armor. He didn't train in it. That was man's armor. God went out with the armor of God and fought Goliath and won. And sometimes our soul needs to be restored. When you've been beat down and beat down and everybody, and I know people mean well. I've said it to other people. Well, Romans 8, 28, all things work together. For the good of those who are in Christ Jesus and called according to his purpose. Okay, how is that going to work out for my children? Mr. Scripture Man. Huh? Got an answer for everything. You know what I've learned? It's not the amount of scriptures I know, but it's the, the amount of hugs I give. Sometimes people just need a hug. Sometimes they just need a handshake. Sometimes they just need a punch in the arm that says, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to have these thoughts. It's okay to be upset. Let's get through this together. 
And the only way that I found to restore my soul is to call on the God, my shepherd, Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you, with a busted soul, a broken spirit, you're, you're, you're ineffective. We are ineffective as Christians. We're ineffective as warriors. We can't even pick ourselves up off the battlefield. How are we going to fight for God's kingdom? We have to restore our soul. Pastor reminded me last night in our conversation that David had to encourage himself. And so how do you encourage yourself? You read the word of God. That's the only thing I've ever found to encourage me in chocolate cake. So get some chocolate cake and get the word of God and go to town. Just forget about the diet for one minute and encourage yourself. Restore your soul. And a lot of times my soul is restored by brothers who come alongside me and just say, you know what? I don't have the answers, but you don't have to fight this by yourself. You don't have to go through this by yourself. We're going to fight with you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to take some of the heat from you. We're going to lock our shields together as warriors, and we're going to reflect some of these darts that are coming against you until you are restored in your mind, restored in your spirit. Because when you can restore somebody who's been broken and cast down and downtrodden, and they come back, and then now they're fighting with a vengeance. Now they're fighting with a purpose because they know they're not by themselves. He leads me in, in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. What is righteousness? What is God's righteousness? He right standing with God. So even though we may have done some things, even though our mind is playing tricks on us, even though we're thinking about things we shouldn't be thinking about, we're not living under that condemnation. We live under righteousness of God. We are in the right standing with God. So we cast these things down. Cast all your cares upon me. And I remember when, when Brother Robert Laquisa came. And he said, you cast everything on Jesus like a blanket. And I picture that blanket of all my hurts, all my pains, and I'm just throwing it at Jesus Christ, putting it on him. I can't take it anymore. I'm tired of getting whipped, Lord. I'm tired of being broken. I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of watching my wife suffer. I'm tired of watching my pastor suffer. I'm tired of watching Danny get sick all the time. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it. But it doesn't do no good to be sick of anything if you don't do nothing about it. Sometimes we got to press in for our brothers and our sisters, even when they don't know it. You don't always have to tell somebody you're praying for them. Just do it. Just do it. For his name's sake, there's no name like the name of Jesus. There's no name. His name is above every name. And when I think about Jesus Christ, I think about the Alpha and the Omega. And it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what I'm going through in my life. All I got to do is speak the name of Jesus and the demons flee. Now, don't, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. They flee. But guess what they do? They go get their buddies. Yeah. And then they come back sevenfold. Then they attack you worse. So the state of the house that the demons left are worse than when they come back. So we still fight, we still push, we still press, we still read, we still study, we still praise, we still get up and go to work, we still change our kids' diapers, we still bathe our children, we still do the things we're supposed to do no matter what we're going through. Why? Because we're not doing it in our strength. We're doing it in the strength of who? Jesus. 
my high tower, my banner. He's my shield. He's my buckler. He's the gospel that is on my feet that makes me run, that helps me to run towards the purpose. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And anybody else tired of being in the valley? Anybody else tired of walking through the valley of death? Everything that can hit you has hit you. And he's even throwing the kitchen sink at you. All right, it's not a good sermon unless you put that phrase in there, right? Got to throw the kitchen sink too. Does that make it legit now? (laughs) I think about these valleys that we go through in our lives. And the interesting thing about the valley is that's where all the enemies are. But that's also where our, all the fruit is. Now think about that for a minute. There's no fruit on the top of the mountains. Everything that's on top of the mountain may come down to eat in the valley. Sometimes we have to go through things in the valley that prepares us to get to the next mountain. That propels, prepares us to climb. And, and you see, even Moses came down from the mountain. He was only up there for a time, for a period. For just a moment, just to hear from God. And when we come up to the mountains, we're only supposed to be up there for just enough time to hear from God to see where our next purpose, our next goal, our next mission, then we go back down and get back into another valley. Because that's where we learn. That's where we grow. That's where we find our sustenance is in the valley. But the valley, Pastor always reminds me about the valley. It's just like a grave, like a rut with both ends knocked out. You know, and the great thing about when you're in that darkness, when, when, when the doctors say, you're done, it's over. You're broke. You can't even pay your bills. Your car's busted. You're walking to work. You're begging for rides. You got no money to feed your kids. You know what's so great about the valley? You can't go any lower. Amen. The great thing about the valley is there's only one way out, and that's up. So get what you can get. Take what you can take. Fight who you can fight. Cast the demons off. Break it off. Knock off them old grave clothes and start climbing. Sometimes when you're in the dark place, all you got to do is climb. Put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Let me tell you something. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. We should not fear it. We should embrace it. We should love it because we know that when we, our last breath here will be our first breath there. This is not the end. It's just a continuation of where we're going to be. I will fear no evil. I really never feared anything in my life, ever. I'm not trying to say I'm that guy. I've just never had fear like I've ever until recently with the things that the doctor told us about my wife. And that struck me. It challenged everything I believe about God, everything I believe about Jesus, everything I've been praying for, everything I've been working towards. How, God, can y'all give this diagnosis when you are the healer? And it struck some fear in me. It struck fear in me for what would happen to me to my children and it's a scary thought but it says I will fear no evil so I had to turn that over to God and say what does your word say Lord it says you didn't give us a spirit of fear 
but a spirit of a sound mind. And I said, I'm not going to walk in that fear. I'm not going to wake up in the middle of the night anymore, Father, and reach over and shake my wife to see if she's breathing because you are going to fill her lungs with the oxygen she needs. I'm not going to fear that. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to get some sound sleep because I'm trusting in you. just sick and tired of being sick and tired amen your rod and your staff they comfort me is one of my favorite verses because it says rod and staff it's the same stick but the rod the staff is the one that the shepherd holds so that the sheep can see it when they see that staff they know that's the shepherd the rod is what corrects spare the rod spoil the child sometimes God has to correct us with the rod of correction and it hurts And even when you're going through things, let that be a a time that you start purging things in your life. And you may not even know you're doing bad things. You may not even be knowing you're causing people to sin until that rod gets to you. The Bible says God chastens those he loves. And I haven't had a whooping in a long time. (laughs) So I'm just almost wondering if God is making up for lost time. (laughs) Because I feel like I've been whooped. Been hung up, wet, been put out to dry. Everybody's just walking by saying, oh, yeah, there's that guy again. (laughs) He just got whooped by the Lord. You prepare a table. (laughs) Let me not get ahead. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That staff is important, guys, that we understand that when we get out of line a little bit, sometimes that staff, that that shepherd will just reach over and, and nudge that sheep a little bit. You know, we're running... The shepherd has a, a place. He's taking the sheep from the morning to the evening. He's taking them to the places where the green fields are so they can eat, so they can water. And sometimes we get off, we stray. Look, if you realize just how dumb a sheep was and the fact that God called us sheep, I don't know, is that really a compliment? <laughs> but we are sheep. And, and what it means is we make innocent mistakes. We get caught up. We start chasing the little grasshoppers down. And next thing you know, there's a lost sheep. Next thing you know, we're hanging out with people. They're kind of like Christians. They talk about God, but they drink a little. Oh, it's okay. And next thing you know, we've gotten astray. Now we're out here drinking with all these Christians. Compromising. We compromise things in our life. We compromise things in our mind where God says, by your stripes you were healed. And I say, well, not all stripes. Not all healings. You compromise with your thoughts. You compromise with your friendships. You compromise in your marriage. You compromise at your job. And sometimes it takes that rod, that staff, just to reach over gently, just nudge you a little bit, just to get you back in line. But if you gacked out too bad, he'll get that rod on your backside. And it doesn't feel good when God chastises you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and that brings me comfort to know that God has my best interest in mind, that God loves me enough that left up to my own devices, I'll be out back in the world, but God loves me enough that he puts that shield of protection over me, that he brings me in, that he calls me in, that he leads me, that he guides me, that when I get out of line, he'll correct me. And sometimes that rod of correction or sometimes that staff comes by way of a brother or a sister in Christ who will come by and say, hey, man, I noticed... uh, You've been saying some things and going through some things, and I've been seeing some things. Here, let me help you out a little bit. 
Let me just bring it to the forefront. Let me just put something in your mind that you can think about. And we need that. And I need that in my life. And I'm so thankful that God loves me enough that he will correct me. That he just doesn't throw his hands up and say, I'm done. Because I probably would. I would give up on me. Knowing who I am, knowing what I've been through, knowing what I'm capable of. Why do you love me, God? Why do you love me? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And all I can imagine is that I'm sitting here, and as I'm at this table with the Lord, I I keep thinking about Revelation 3.20 where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And when I'm dining with Christ, that means he's there with me. I'm having fellowship. I'm communicating. I'm talking to him like a friend, like a best friend, because he is my best friend. And he's feeding me. He's helping me. I'm having a relationship with him. And it doesn't matter what's going on around me. I'm walking with Jesus. It, was just, it kind of reminds me of my little brother. Everybody used to pick on him. But when I used to walk behind him, nobody touched him. <laughs> True story. Because they knew what big brother was going to do. And they knew what big brother could, was capable of. And it's kind of like that with God. When we're walking and we know Christ is with us, we walk with all this power and authority. But when he's not there, it's not because he left. Sometimes we leave him. Sometimes we forsake our first love and we get caught up in other things. Sometimes you haven't done nothing wrong and just everything hits you. Sometimes it just comes your way. And why me, Lord? Oh, woe is me. And what does God say? Not if you go through troubled waters, but when you go through troubled waters. The Apostle Paul says that everything we do, both word and deed, is going to be tested by fire. Every action, every love, everything that we do in the body, everything that we do in God's word is going to be tested. And, and that's not to hurt us. That's to purify it. That's not to bring us down. That's to purify it. You want to be a teacher of God's word? You got to be purified. You got to get some of your bad doctrine out of your mind. That you've learned some of the ways of the world, some of the things that people twist off and let God refine it. And again, that comes by way of elders. That comes by way of men and women who have gone before you and they make that and they teach you that. And that happens at the table. Thanksgiving's coming up. Just think about Thanksgiving for just a moment. You're here, you are, you're sitting there, you got all the good food, you're fellowshipping, you're laughing, everything's going great. You're not worried about the, the fact that you ain't got money to pay your bills. You ain't worried about the fact that somebody's sick with a, 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 a prognosis that you don't like. You're not worried about the fact that your electricity is about to get cut off. It doesn't matter. You're sitting there with your family. And that's how Jesus is. When he's sitting at the table with us, he's saying, I am the provider. I will be the turkey if you need a turkey. I will be the ham if you need some ham. Amen? Am I the only one that sees that? Or I will be the chocolate pie if you need chocolate pie. God is with you. He wants fellowship. That's why he prepares the table before us in the presence of my enemies. Because what he's saying, it doesn't matter what's coming against you. You're not fighting it anyways. If you're fighting in your strength, you've already lost. I'm fighting in the strength of the Lord. I'm fighting with who God says I am. Have a, uh, Joel Osteen, every, every morning he gets up, he, holds a, he says, this is the word, 
I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. And how many of us ridicule him rather than take what he said and apply it? I try to apply it. I like Joel Osteen. I don't care what anybody says. Call him a prosperity preacher. I don't care. He has some good words of wisdom from God. When you're down and out, you click on him. If you don't walk away encouraged, it's because your wood is wet. And I'm not here to edify him. I'm just telling you, you anoint my head with oil. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to go back and grab that thing of oil on the, on the Joash chest and just pour it over my head. Not to, uh, to say I'm anything more than I'm just lost right now. I'm hurting, Father. I need a fresh and new. I need some anointing. I need that oil just to pour and flow through me, Father God, that only you can give because I can't give it. I can't find the strength in my own self. I can only find it in you. Anoint me, Father. Anoint my words. Anoint my heart. Anoint my actions. You anoint me. And if we try to do things in our own strength, it'll fall by the wayside. But when you do things in the strength of the Lord, with God's anointing, and you're walking in God's anointing, it'll prosper. You can't use somebody else's anointing in your life. And when I think about King David, who's one of my favorite characters in the Bible, second to Jonah, I like Jonah because he was just big mouth, wild and out, and he just didn't care. He's going to do what he wanted. Kind of resembles a lot of my life. Only I repented, he didn't. <laughs> but I think about that anointing. When David was anointed king, they poured the oil over his head. And he went back to doing what he was doing, being a shepherd. And when we get that anointing from the Lord, that doesn't mean automatically God's going to give us this multi-location church venue. That doesn't mean God's going to open up this window and automatically put us up to be this superstar preacher. It doesn't matter. If you're not putting in the work now, you're not ever going to get up here. Just because you have the anointing, that doesn't mean that 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 moment you get anointed is the time you're supposed to run with it. David was anointed king and he went back to being a shepherd. Sometimes you got to learn some things. If David would have been made king there, he would have never understood and learned how to use his sling and kill the enemies in the desert. He would have never killed Goliath. He was anointed by God. He went back to doing what he was doing. What is your anointing today? What has God anointed you to do today that you're sitting on, that you're not working with, that you're not using, that's growing dormant, that's growing cold? How many of us have buried our anointing in the sand? How many of you have buried your talent in the sand and have run towards something else? You anoint my head with oil. My head is anointed because God says it's anointed. Not because Gabe says it. Not because Bob says it. My head is anointed because God says it's anointed. And sometimes when we go and we, we take up the anointing of somebody else, say, oh, that guy's doing great in that. Let me jump on that bandwagon. Well, it doesn't work like that. And again, I'll tell you one more time about David. When he went to Saul's to bring cheese to his brothers, they tried to put Saul's armor on him. But David wasn't anointed to be the king, so he couldn't wear a king's armor. He was anointed to be the king, but he was not placed to be the king. He had to fight with what he knew, which was his anointing, which was his slaying. And my cup runs over. 
I'll never forget about the conversation I had with my brother, Daryl Bailey. He said, the reason our cup runs over is because if it doesn't run over, we had nothing to give out. Our cup runs over because we're supposed to give away the excess. It runs over from God's blessings. He doesn't just give you enough. He gives you above and beyond what you could ever think or imagine. So when my cup is running over, I'm going to somebody who's struggling and saying, here, let me help you out with the 20. Let me buy your gas. Let me buy you lunch. Let me buy you some coffee. Hey, let me help you out. Let me pray with you. I'm full of grace right now. You know what? I forgive you. Jeff, you didn't like my church cafeteria shoes. I forgive you, brother. You know, you, you give out what you have. When your cup is overflowing, what is it overflowing with? I always view my life as two cups. I have the cup of the world and I have the cup of Jesus. And it's like on a scale. So which one is outweighing the other? Which one are you filling? It's easy to fill the cup of the world. You know how you do that? Just quit being a Christian. You don't even have to try. You just stop reading. You just stop praying. You just stop coming to church. You just stop trying to better your walk and and run towards the target that God has set before us and your cup of the world will fill up by itself. You don't even have to try. But when your cup runs over, you just bring it to somebody who needs it. Let's have a cool drink, brother. Let's share a Dr. Pepper. Huh? Let's share a cold glass of water. And that's what Jesus told the woman at the well. Let's have a cool drink together. Can you draw me some water? Don't ask questions. Just bring me some water. Let's drink together. Don't we get too mouthy sometimes with God? What about this? Why that? How come? What she said, he said. Who cares? God says drink from me. Don't drink from them. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How many of you need more than one friend named Shirley? <laughs> I need Shirley in my life. But Shirley, goodness. Yes, I need two Shirley. Shirley, goodness, and her sister, Shirley, mercy. Okay? They're twins. Goodness and mercy. What is goodness? Just things happen for you. The birds outside your window or doves, they're chirping. You know, the sun's always up when you walk outside. The dew is cresting on the ground. Goodness, the good things happen to those who wait upon the Lord. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you want goodness and mercy to follow you? Then you need to go back to verse 1, to the Lord and the shepherd. And follow the Lord and the shepherd. And when you follow the Lord and the shepherd, goodness and mercy will follow you. And you don't even have to try. You're going to wake up one day and say, man, I paid all my bills this week and I got extra money to go buy shirts. (laughs) Point at at Gabe and Liz because they magically change their shirts sometime. (laughs) They were blessed. And so goodness follows you. Goodness in your home, goodness in your marriage, goodness in your finances, goodness with your vehicle. Keep your vehicle running. Goodness and mercy. I've messed up so many times. uh, I've wore that word mercy out. And just when I think I'm good, just when I think I've got this Christian thing figured out, I need mercy again. Because I slip and I fall and I blast somebody because I think I know it all, because I'm learning, because I'm moving, because I'm growing, and now we know everything. Now we got the word in our heart. We want to tell you how to fix your life. Give me mercy, Lord. I have failed. 
I've tripped, I've stumbled. But his mercy will follow you. His goodness will follow you. And and not just a little bit, but all the days of your life. When Jesus is your king and your savior, your whole life will be blessed. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through things. It doesn't mean being a Christian, you're not going to go through high waters. It doesn't mean you're not going to be tried and tempted. The disciples, when they got in the boat and went across the Sea of Galilee, they were in the same will. They were walking with God. They were doing and being obedient to God. And that's when the storms came. Why is that? Why, why did that happen like that? Well, two things happened in that one. Because number one, they, God, Jesus wanted to show the disciples that he did have all power. And when he calmed that storm, they knew. But the other thing, it goes back to Peter. You know, Jesus knew he was going to build the church on Peter, but he had to get some things out of Peter first. He had to get some doubts. He had to get some unbeliefs. And sometimes we go through these waters so God could purify us from things that we don't know we need purified from. Peter would have never believed he could walk on water if that storm would have came, didn't come. Does that make sense? But he had to let go of the boat. And sometimes you're the only one. Even though one guy got out of the boat and became the only second person in in the recorded word of God that walked on water, there was 11 people watching him. Sometimes people are going to watch you prosper. Sometimes people are going to watch your miracle. And it's okay. doesn't mean you're better than them. It's okay. It's just your purpose. It's your plan. God wanted Peter out because he had to get that doubt and that fear that, out of him because he knew how Peter was going to die. And he knew, Peter that, knew that Peter was going to reject him. And he did. all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and I said this last week our goal here on earth is not to be we don't have a goal in this earthly body our goal God never intended for us as Christians to reach a point in our Christian walk that we just stop our goal is an eternal goal our goal is in heaven so that means we're on a journey so that means from the time we start to the time we breathe our last we are pushing and fighting and pressing towards that target sometimes that's moving and that we're not giving in we're not quitting we're coming alongside people we're loving people through some things the reason we go through things because we can love people through them God didn't put me in prison I put myself in prison but now Romans 8 28 comes into play that all things work together for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus and called according to his purpose now I can love some people who've been to prison and they get out and they say they got no hope nobody loves them the government's cutting their hand on their their thumb on their head said there's a way there's a way can we pray this morning can we pray this morning Father, we pray this morning. Lord, we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Lord, we're sick and tired of being beat down. We're sick and tired of the, the, the doctor saying, this is the end. We're sick and tired of the hurt. Father, we're tired of being broke. Lord, we're tired of being run through the mill. We're tired of our foundation being beaten against, Lord. Lord. Right now, Father, we need a a fresh and new spirit. 
Right now, Father, we need a fresh and a new word from you, Lord, to touch our hearts, to renew our mind, Lord, to remind us, Lord, that we cast down every vain imagination, Lord, and to remind us that you are a high tower, Father, that we run to you, Father. Even if we can't see, even if our eyes are shut, we're running towards that high tower, which is you. And that's where we're running, Father. It doesn't matter what happens on my left, Lord. It doesn't matter what happens on my right. It doesn't matter if the end is near, if the end is far. Father, my eyes are fixed on you, Jesus Christ. You are the king. You are the one that I run to. Bring me out of this valley. Bring us out, Father God. I want you to take your, as you're praying this morning, the things that are in your heart right now that are just wreaking havoc in your home, that are wreaking havoc in your marriage, that are wreaking havoc in your finances, that are are wreaking havoc on your health. I want you to grab a hold of it like it's just this big bucket of mess. Just scoop it up. And I want you to walk over to the cross where Jesus was crucified where his blood is stained on the wood and just take that bucket and just throw everything on it. Just throw it on there. And here's the important part. Leave the bucket there. Don't bring it back. Lord, we pray for restoration in our homes. Father, we pray for restoration in our marriage where things are broken, Father God. Lord, we pray for revived communication. We pray for a miracle in our finances. Lord, I don't care what the doctors say about prognosis, diagnosis. Lord, we're praying right now that your word says, by your stripes, they are healed. And it doesn't matter what the doctors say, Father God. The woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years spent her entire livelihood, Father. That's in your word, Lord Jesus. Spent everything she had, still had the same diagnosis. You'll never be healed. But one touch from you, Lord. One touch, Father. And we're looking for that one touch that's coming, Lord. That touch is coming, Father God. I pray that divine appointment will be set, Father. That we could just touch the hem of your garment. Just touch. One touch, Father. That's all our pastor needs. One touch is all my wife needs. One touch is all Danny needs. One touch is all some people in this sanctuary, Father, with unspoken prayer requests need. Help us to find that, Lord. But like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to King Nebuchadnezzar, God will deliver us from your hands, O king, or he will deliver us in the fire, but we will not bow to you. Father, we are not going to bow to the sickness. We trust you. Your will be done, not mine. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.